Well, good morning, everyone. It is so good to be with you today. And um, just to say, we um, we were going to have some worship, um, but because of the power cut, we're probably not able to have worship this morning, which is such a shame because Johnny Fentai is here and uh, he's all primed and prepped. But there you go. These things happen. Um, it's just so brilliant to be with you this morning. We are continuing in our series, Christ, His Church and His Cause. And we are pressing into this book to stir us, to challenge us and to provoke a renewed hunger and thirst for things of Jesus things of the spirit and things of his kingdom and to keep the main thing, the main thing. And if you ask me to pick one sentence out of this whole book in Acts, it would have to be Acts chapter one, verse eight, where Jesus just before he's about to return to be seated at the right hand of God, the father, he turns to his disciples and he gives them these instructions. And he says this, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you will be my witnesses in all of Jerusalem and in Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. You see, this book, this book, it's about spirit. It's about power. It's about evangelism and new life being gathered into the churches, spreading out from Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. And it's a reminder to us that the main thing is still the main thing because the mission hasn't yet been completed. And therefore, the message of this book and the outpouring of the Holy Spirit and the um, evangelizing, sharing the gospel and receiving the power is still the call on us today in 2021. And so this passage that we're about to read, I believe it's a reminder. It's a reminder of our inheritance and it's a reminder of our heritage. It's a reminder of what we've been given and what we carry. And it's a reminder that each and every one of us watching today play a significant and unique role in this kingdom story. And um, I don't know about how you are feeling right now, but I am feeling more and more desperate to see more of the Holy Spirit at work in my own life, in the church, in, um, in the streets. I'm desperate to experience more of his presence. I want to see more of his power. I want to see more of the Holy Spirit at work. I'm longing for it. And maybe wherever you are today, you're watching this and you're thinking, I feel exactly the same. Well, Chuck and I, um, we recently, we were given some tapes. Now, these were really old, pretty old tapes, about 40 years old. And they were old John Wimber tapes that we'd been given. And they were put on a USB stick for us. And so during the October holidays, we went down south to visit our family. And we... Um, plugged in the USB stick and we listened all the way down south to England and all the way back up the road, these tapes. And they were amazing. And for those of you that don't know who John Wimber is, we were listening to his teaching. John Wimber, basically, he started the Vineyard Movement. He started this family of churches that now all across the globe 
thousands of churches. And um, at one particular tape we were listening to where John Wimber had got up different church leaders from different denominations and they started to give their testimony of their encounter with the Holy Spirit and um, how the Holy Spirit had just revealed himself to them in dreams or in visions or just powerfully displayed in a physical presence within their body, the, the Spirit of God. And um, of course, as these um, church leaders were experiencing the Holy Spirit, it was being poured out then within their churches and their communities. It was wonderful. And we heard um, how the Holy Spirit, one particular pastor said, the Holy Spirit completely devastated my church. <laughs> he said, many people left because they didn't like what the Holy Spirit was doing. You see, people were being set free. People were speaking in tongues. People were kind of... Um, just crying out in the midst of worship. People were falling down and shaking and being set free and being healed. And it, it was an amazing thing, he said. In fact, one particular tape we were listening to would have been probably the first ever prayer ministry model, How to Pray for People. And um, it's, again, from 40 years ago, and it was given by a couple called Bob and Penny Fulton, who Chuck and I had the privilege of meeting, actually, when we were on sabbatical, which feels like quite a long time ago now, it was only a few years ago, in California. And they would have been really young at the time. But I love how they spoke about just how the Holy Spirit kind of descended upon their church and how they wanted to work out how best to pray for people. You know, and so they, they spoke about having to listen to the Spirit and discern with the Word of God and be guided by what the Lord was saying in the best possible model on how to pray for healing, how to be, see people set free. And uh, obviously that is pretty much the model we use today, 40 years on, which is just wonderful. And they just shared story after story of people finding physical healing and wholeness. And as we were listening to these tapes, it was like the Holy Spirit within Chuck and I started to strengthen us again. It was like he was igniting something in us again. He was calling us into going again, to keep pressing in, to not to allow our experiences and our disappointments and our insecurities to be the framework for which we view the Spirit of God. But instead, to go to see afresh and to um, experience anew the power of the Spirit to keep pressing in and releasing the Holy Spirit and depending on him and not to quench him, but to release him. To be a church that gets to do the stuff, as John Wimber would say. And uh, the stuff that we are talking about today is what we are going to read in this uh, passage in Acts today. And so in light of all of this, we're going to look at two things that the Holy Spirit endows upon the early church that become distinctives and marks of who they are when the Holy Spirit is at work. And they are key distinctives that set the early church in Acts apart. And so we're going to read together Acts chapter 5 and we're going to read verses 12 to 33. I just want to encourage you, if you have a Bible, why don't you run and grab that now? Or maybe why don't you download it onto your phone as well? Uh, God's word to us is just so beautiful. And just really encourage you to um, open up 
His word wherever you are today. Okay. So it says this. The apostles performed many signs and wonders among the people and all the believers used to meet together in Solomon's colonnade. No one else dared join them, even though they were highly regarded by the people. Nevertheless, more and more men and women believed in the Lord and were added to their number. As a result, people brought those who were ill into the streets and laid them on beds and mats so that, that at least Peter's shadow might fall on some of them as he passed by. Crowds gathered also from the towns around Jerusalem, bringing those who were ill and those tormented by impure spirits, and all of them were healed. Then the high priest and all his associates, who were members of the party of the Sadducees, were filled with jealousy. They arrested the apostles and put them in the public jail. But during the night, an angel of the Lord opened up the doors of the jail and brought them out. Go stand in the temple courts, he said, and tell the people all about this new life. At daybreak, they entered the temple courts, as they had been told, and began to teach the people. When the high priest and his associates arrived, they called together the Sanhedrin, the full assembly of the elders of Israel, and sent to the jail for the apostles. But on arriving at the jail, the officers did not find them there. So they went back and reported, we found the jail securely locked with the guards standing at the doors. But when we opened them, we found no one inside. On hearing this report, the captain of the temple guard and the chief priest were at a loss, wondering what might lead to this. Then someone came and said, look, the men you put in jail are standing in the temple courts teaching the people. At that, the captain went with his officers and brought the apostles. They did not use force because they feared that the people would stone them. The apostles were brought in and made to appear before the Sanhedrin to be questioned by the high priest. We gave you strict orders not to teach in his name, he said. Yet you have filled Jerusalem with your teaching and are determined to make us guilty of this man's blood, Jesus' blood. Peter and the other apostles replied, we must obey God rather than human beings. The God of our ancestors raised Jesus from the dead, whom you killed by hanging him on a cross. God exalted him to his own right hand as prince and saviour, that he might be he might bring Israel to repentance and forgive their sins. We are witnesses of these things. And so is the Holy Spirit whom God has given to those who obey him. When they heard this, they were furious and wanted to put them to death. Okay, so distinctive number one. When the Holy Spirit is at work, there is power. Why don't you shout that back to me? Brilliant. Wonderful. Verse 12. The apostles performed many signs and wonders among the people. So when the Holy Spirit comes upon the church, extraordinary power is manifested. And that is what we long for, isn't it? That is our heart. That is what we want to see. Here we see men and women finding Jesus for the very first time. Verse 14. More and more men and women believed in the Lord and were added to their number. Healings and deliverance is happening. Verse 16, crowds gathered, bringing those who were ill and those tormented by impure spirits, and all of them were healed. You see, the early church was living life on the edge. They were living way out of their comfort zone, but in a place where verse 13 tells us few dare to join them, but where the Holy Spirit delights to work. He loves to work. I recently heard of a story of um, a pastor 
I think he's pretty crazy. Um, but this pastor decided he thought it was a good idea to raft down the Zambezi River in Zimbabwe. And yeah, I told you, it's slightly, slightly crazy, I would say. So him and eight other people, they boarded this raft at the base of the Victoria Falls, you know, where masses amount of water spill out over the top and drop almost a thousand feet below. Can you imagine the roar? It would have been incredibly deafening. So you've got this huge roar from the falls as they rush down the gorges in torrents, creating the world's largest rapids. Now, to put it in context, I've done a bit of Googling. And in, the, in America, you can only uh, raft a class five rapid. That's as high as it goes. Now, the Zambezi rapids are class seven and eight, right? So there they are. They're on the edge of this eight-person raft. Okay, they're all suited and booted, and they're all petrified. And this pastor is sitting there, and he's having second thoughts, you know. And so he's kind of self, self-talking, and he's saying things in his own mind. He's saying things like, well, it can't be that dangerous, can it? Surely, because they wouldn't let me pay this money if it was really, really dangerous. And I am, I'm sure I'm going to be okay. So he's, he's saying this to himself. At the same time as that, uh, the guide is shouting out, when the raft tips. <laughs> now, he's not saying if the raft tips, or there might be a slight possibility the raft will tip. He's shouting, when the raft tips, make sure you stay in the rough water. Now you will be tempted to swim out to the edge of the bank where there is stagnant water all around. And you might think that that would be a good idea. But let me tell you, in that stagnant water, there are crocodiles. And they are very big, and they are very hungry. When the raft flips, stay in the rough water. I think that's really good advice for those of us who follow Jesus. Because stagnancy will kill our spirit and our posture, and it will stop us putting into practice all that we believe and all that we long to see. Yes, it's so easy, isn't it, to find ourselves in stagnant waters. I have found myself there so many times, I'm ashamed to say. In times of disappointment, in times of, I guess, just high pressure, in times where I just feel exhausted and I'm I'm just kind of done. Stagnant waters is so often our default position and it's so easy to settle there when it comes to things of the spirit. Yet we are people of the Spirit. We are people who've been given incredible power. The power of the Holy Spirit lives within us. The same power that raised Jesus from the dead is living within us. And so we are called to follow and participate and cooperate with the Holy Spirit. The power of the Spirit isn't just for these first century Christians. It is for all of us, and that includes you, and it is for now. Now, In a moment, we are going to hear a story from Ali and Lorna McRoberts. Um, But just to say, Ali and Lorna, 
They are going to be our new site pastors as we are starting a brand new site um, early next year in Peterhead. Ooh. And uh, we're really excited about that. And Ali and Lorna are going to be leading the, that site. And so we are um, we're so grateful to the Lord for them and their leadership and for providing a way for us to be able to have a site in Peterhead. So, Ali and Lorna, over to you. Hello everyone, Hello. I'm Lorna. And I'm Ali. And we want to share a story with you today about healing and the Holy Spirit. Um, we have a couple who had been asking us for quite a while to go and pray with them. And because of COVID and lockdown and all their things, we just hadn't been able to. But finally it had come to a point where we could um, go up to pray for them. So we were going up this night to pray for them. But it just happened that um, neither of us were really in a place where mm. we were feeling like we were... Um, equipped or capable or in the right place to pray for them. Ali had had a really uh, bad day at work. He just wasn't feeling it. I was probably in the worst place I'd been um, ever spiritually, just feeling totally broken and disconnected from God. And however, we went up to pray for them and we sat in the car kind of going, God, Lord, what are we doing here? Who are we and how we are feeling? feeling how are we going to go and pray for these people? And, um, and then Ali just prayed in the car. Yeah, it was just... One of those moments where we had to invite the Holy Spirit in because we had no strength in ourselves to actually do it. And it was it was just a thought, just to open yeah. the car door and go to the front door of this person's house. So it was just in that moment saying, God, we're obedient, we're asking you just to, Holy Spirit, Take come. Yeah. Um, we're giving you tonight, we're, we're giving you us yeah. and do what you want. And so we went in and um, to cut a long story short, we ended up um, speaking with this couple, praying for um, the lady who rededicated her life. Um, but she had lots of health issues and due to um, having an illness when she was younger, it affected her, her foot where she couldn't actually put her foot down flat and she couldn't walk properly and she couldn't walk um, unaided. Um, and so as I was um, praying for her and rededicating her life, um, Ali uh, felt God spoke to him. Yeah, I felt... The Holy Spirit just say, I'm going to heal her feet tonight. And it was clear as day as that. And then I panic. I thought, oh, I've heard that. I mean, it means I've got to do something with that now. Because I can't just bottle that up. Mm -hmm. I need to do something with this. So as Lorna was praying with her um, for her salvation, I just got on, on my knees and I just put my hands on her feet. And it was nothing. It wasn't a long-winded prayer. It wasn't filling it up with fancy words. Mm -hmm. It was just God... I command these heels and these feet to work as you have designed them to work. Yeah. Amen. Yeah. And literally just after that, she um, stood up kind of quite quickly. And we were like, oh, what's going on? And she was like, look, I can put my foot down. And I don't know who was in more shock because we were like, oh, my life, Lord, look what you've just done. And we were so like not just in the right place to do it or feeling like empty. And regardless how we feel, God moves and works. And this lady... Um, who normally can't walk unaided, walk the whole length of her house with me beside her, and I'm kind of going, oh, maybe she should slow down a bit. Totally walk in, perfectly fine, healed, and it was just amazing. Amazing that God can still use us, even though we're like, we're yeah, not really feeling it. Regardless where you are, yeah. It's, it's him that does it, not us. And we're so thankful that we just uh, we get to partner with him in yeah. doing that. Um, he's amazing. Thanks. Wonderful. Church, even when we don't feel like it, resist the stagnant waters. 
Instead, get out into the rough waters. Keep pouring your lives into people. Keep placing yourself into the white water, just like the disciples. Let's dare to put ourselves in places where few dare to follow, yet where the Holy Spirit delights to work. And let's see what he does. Let's see what he does. Distinctive number two, when the Holy Spirit is at work, there is bold obedience. Say it back to me. (laughs) I hope you're saying it at home too. (laughs) Verse 29, Peter and the other apostles replied, we must obey God rather than human beings. So we know from verse 12 that Peter and John and all the believers, they met together in Solomon's colonnade. And so this ran the perimeter of the temple courtyard, and it was on the east side of the temple. And I guess it kind of acted a little bit like a porch to the temple compound. Now, the colonnade was nowhere near as important as the temple. And then as we read, Peter and John and the rest of the disciples, they uh, got arrested and they were thrown into jail. And then an angel of the Lord came and uh, opened, flung wide the jail door and told them, interestingly, not to go back and stand in the shadow of the temple but instead to go and stand in the temple courts themselves and share the good news about Jesus there. Now, the temple is the the religious, political, economic and social centre of Jerusalem. If you like, it's an absolute powerhouse. That's what you need to know. If you upset the temple system with its um, priests and economic alliances, you're going to pay. Ultimately, if the temple isn't happy, then nobody is happy. And I think that's a little bit like today. You know, if you stand out, if you look different, if you speak a different message, if you carry a different set of values or beliefs that are different to the rest of culture or the rest of the world, then chances are you're going to pay. Many of you will know that in China, Christianity is the fastest growing religion, even though it is governed by the Chinese Communist Party. And because of that, there are two types of churches in China. Firstly, there are the state-approved churches in China. And um, I was reading about one of these um, state-approved churches. Um, It was a, a couple had gone there a good few years ago now, and they had gone to Beijing. And they recalled a 100-year-old building. They recalled a translator and worship. They opened the word together. They prayed together. They had fellowship together. They said it was a good service. The only problem was they were not allowed to share their faith outside the four walls of that building. In order to become an approved church of the state, which meant that basically they didn't have as much harassment, government harassment, and the the government would ultimately leave them be, they had to make a deal with the state. And the state told them, you do your thing as long as your thing doesn't involve telling anyone else. And now that deal, even more so in um, recent months and years, has become increasingly tight, even for the state-approved churches, where they are unfortunately getting a lot of government harassment. And then on the other hand, there are millions of churches in China who have who basically chosen not to associate with that kind of church, but instead to go to church illegally, if you like. They've chosen what we would call to go to churches that are underground. And because they've chosen this because they are convicted that you cannot be a Christian 
unless you share your faith. And the cost to their obedience in following Jesus is persecution. You know, it is imprisonment. It is potentially torture or death. But they refuse to compromise their faith. And for us in the UK, we do have so many privileges. We have so many freedoms. And I certainly do not want to be comparing uh, where we are in the UK to the persecuted church in China by any stretch of the imagination. However, if there was a time where Christians are feeling intimidated in the public sphere, where um, culture is pushing Christian faith into the margins of society, where it's becoming increasingly difficult to be a Christian in your workplace or at university or school or college. I think it's now. I do think it's now. Maybe um, you would have heard about Dan Walker. You maybe read about him a few weeks ago. Dan presents BBC Breakfast, and I also understand he's a contender on Strictly as well. I don't watch Strictly, so I don't know if it's actually finished now or not. Maybe not. Maybe they're going to be doing their Christmas specials this Sunday. I don't know. But if you're a Strictly fan, bless you. God bless you. Um, Anyway, Dan was um, performing and a few weeks ago when it was Halloween. And of course, all the cast are kind of dressed up in ghoulish outfits. And Dan decides that he's going to dress up as a lobster as he chooses to go public about his Christian faith. And um, I love how he shared his faith so publicly. You know, the Holy Spirit loves obedience. He is searching for hearts that will make us stand for Christ, his church, and his cause. You see, we need both the, the Holy Spirit and we need also bold, obedient hearts if we're to stand up and profess our faith in this increasingly hostile environment. For Peter and John... They needed the power of the Holy Spirit to open up the jail door. And uh, they also needed to have a willingness of heart to go and do exactly what the angel of the Lord was asking them to do. You You know, we need both spirit and bold obedience. Verse 20, go, stand in the temple courts and tell the people all about this new life. And I guess the question to be asking us today, ourselves today is, what is the Holy Spirit asking of me? What is he stirring in me? What is he prompting in me? What would it look like for you to move out of the shadow of the temple and into the temple courts themselves? What and who is the Holy Spirit asking you to go and share about this new life. Who is he asking you to do that to? You see, if we want to be who Peter and John were, then we have to do what Peter and John did. And they could have only done what they did because they were constantly being filled and equipped by the Holy Spirit and they were ready and willing and available to do whatever it was that the Lord asked them to do no matter what the cost was to themselves and you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you will be my witnesses in all of Jerusalem and in Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth Why don't we pray?